This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? Just wanted to thank you all so much for coming in and supporting us every single week. And I wanted to give a quick reminder to anyone who might be listening on Apple Podcasts. If y'all could just take maybe 10 seconds before you listen or even after the episode and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out, and we really appreciate it. And as always, be sure to contact either myself at Dalton underscore Trig or our pod account at StepBackMavs on Twitter if you have any questions regarding this upcoming free agency period or the draft or potential trades, anything of that nature. Hit us up, and it might be discussed on the pod. Hi, this is Donnie Nelson, and you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. Yes, yeah, the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Luka with the step back three. Oh, Boy, Chris Stabs, looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just want to ring, want to fit the gap on your team head. I ain't talking heads, dang, go relax, still at a champ. Defense still coming with the Calibus flow, the man's the best on the flow. I'm wild. Welcome, guys, to another edition of the Math Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and Dallas basketball on SI colleague, Matt Glatson. Matt, how you doing tonight? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Uh, ready for the weekend, but it's, it's been a good week. Um, excited to get into these questions we've got coming up. Yeah, this will be our fourth mailbag of the off season. Uh, really enjoyed doing these. I mean, we every time we we always get you know lost in it. It seems like we end up going for a full hour. I don't think we'll end up going that long this time, but you never know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's you can definitely start to see where trade I don't even know if it's rumors but I guess you could technically call them that but trade rumors uh, little bits of information are starting to leak out for teams around the league you know what teams are looking to do and uh, you know we've talked about a lot of stuff last week it was kind of like a (laughs) it was a jumbo uh, off-season episode where we combined Giannis speculation with you know, my crazy idea of uh, the Mavs trading for, for James Harden if the Rockets decide to blow things up. And, you know, it's not going to be that crazy this week, but we do have a couple of trade ideas we want to discuss before we jump into this mailbag. But, okay, so, Matt, we're going to start with DeMar DeRozan from San Antonio Spurs. We briefly touched on DeRozan uh i think it was on our second mailbag and we were rating shooting guards and uh you know i I put him very 
low on my list of the, you know, I think there were about six or seven shooting guards presented to us in a question. And um, I didn't have him very high, but, you know, once just looking at it now, I believe he's going to be on an expiring contract if he opts in. And if you, if you pair that with what Tim McMahon said about a week or so ago, about the Mavs looking to add veterans and, uh, you know, pretty much everyone thinks that whatever move the Mavs are going to make, they want to keep their flexibility open for next uh, offseason because Giannis might be up for grabs. And DeRozan would be one of those moves that would fit. You know, he is a veteran. He's a good defender. He's not a good three-point shooter, but he's still, you know, an automatic bucket from mid-range. Uh, he can get you a bucket down the stretch of a game. Uh, so, I mean, I could see that being a possibility for the Mavs. I think you have to get over the hurdle of, you know, you'd have to be trading with your <laughs> with your in-division rival with the Spurs. And I don't think that's happened very many times throughout the – the history of the Mavs existence you know I think there's been maybe one time one or two times where they've actually made a trade with the Spurs and it's been minor trades so you have to get over that hurdle but just overall what do you think of uh, the idea of adding DeMar DeRozan next to Luka in the backcourt well that's a hurdle that you have to get over with the Rockets as well so it's you know that's true so it's not it's not ideal obviously to to have to send any kind of asset to a team that you're going to have to play four times a year and that you're competing for a division championship with and all that stuff. But I don't think the Spurs are very close to being anything good right now. Oh, yeah, they're they're definitely on the tail end of their, you know, glory years. They're past uh, their glory years. <laughs> right. So you kind of have to look at it through the prism of what do the Mavericks need? And what I think they need more than anything – besides, you know, the obvious wing stuff. I mean, he is a wing. Yeah. But they need somebody who can take the pressure off of Luka down the stretch and can get his own shot and score whenever he wants. Right. Um, besides KP, you know, obviously you want KP to do that stuff, and he can do that stuff, but you want you want another guy that can do that. And he's a guy that can do that in spades. So – I think it would be a good idea depending on the package, especially considering, you know, the fact that you mentioned that it'd be a one-year deal and there's no commitment going forward. Um, and he's gettable. Yeah. So I think it's a good idea. I'd be, I'd be for it. You, you know, you get him in there, see what happens look, here and go from there. We, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, actually, you know, as the season was winding down and we've talked about it on a number of occasions so far this off season, but there are guys in this upcoming draft, the NBA drafts on November 18th. There's a lot of guys that we like and that we would love for the Mavs to draft, but we're also, <laughs> we're also looking at it from like a Mavs drafting history, especially when you, you know, get later in the first round and in the second round and everything. They just they, – they don't have a good drafting history. And, I, you know, we don't really trust – if it was in the lottery – I'm trying to word this to where I don't – you know, people don't take it the wrong way. I trust Donnie. You know, if it was just him calling the shots and, you know, there was a clear-cut guy that he thinks is a difference maker and he could go get him, 
like he did with Luca. I think that's one thing. I think it's another thing when the draft is as much of a crapshoot as it's ever been this year. And you have two, you have a mid round, mid first round pick and an early second round. I just, I don't know, man. They're, they're so close to being a title contender if they add the right pieces because Luca's already an all NBA first team guy and an MVP candidate. You know, ESPN has them ranked fifth in their early power rankings for next year. Uh, you know, I just – I think they're so close that if you can trade those picks for a guy that's that has playoff experience, that has, you know, late game experience, can get his own shot, I think you have to do it. And I think DeRozan might be one of the few players you could get that's not a superstar. He's like a, you know, a tear down from all that. But I think he's one of those players you could realistically get, you know, by using uh, those picks or at least, you know, the first round pick paired with another young player or something. Well, so I don't like the, I don't necessarily like the idea of trading a first round pick. for. I don't him. either. I don't either. I'm just saying that's, you know, that's probably what. Like, okay. So it's, it's the same thing for me with a few other trade ideas. But if you're going to trade your first-round pick, it better be for a guy that you think is going to be around for a little bit because you can't just throw that pick away for one year of a player. I think that's a bad idea. So if they're going to trade for him, I would not use a first-round pick. I would use the Golden State pick. That's just me personally. But I mean, me too. That's what I would prefer, obviously. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird situation because, yeah, it's, it's a first-round pick – but it's number 18, you know, it's it's four picks outside of the lottery. Uh, you know, there's already uncertainty in this draft as it is, you know. <laughs> it's not the strongest draft as far as as far as having like clear-cut guys who you know are going to be studs. I mean, you're going to be taking a a risk with whoever you draft. I don't know, man. I I would rather it be pick number 31, but I just feel like this draft pick doesn't I don't think it holds the same value as it would in stronger drafts in years past so okay well here's my counter argument to that I'm kind of just playing devil's advocate here but this might be the highest draft pick that you have left for a very long time oh it, it definitely is I agree with that barring like some catastrophic injury disaster where Luke and KP are both lost for the season or something no 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 like, no no, no. And, eh. You know what I mean? Like this, this could be this is this is a, the most valuable draft pick you're gonna have for a long time. Right. I'm so gonna knock on wood. You better put that to good use, whichever way you use it. Well, I mean, let's let's just okay. So put me together, uh, Mav Spurs Demar Derozan trade package. Okay, and I just kind of did this very quickly, so. You know, for all of our listeners who are inevitably going to clap back and be like, hey, why, why in the hell would the Spurs do that? It's just, okay, I did this in like, I did this like two seconds ago. So, like, <laughs> right? I'm just trying to make the money work. But my idea was DeLon Wright, Justin Jackson, Maxi Kleba, and the second round pick. The money works. Um, Justin Jackson is going to be on a one year deal. So he doesn't have to stay around for a long time. DeLon Wright, you know, has talent he just you know maybe pop can get more out of him and with guys like maxi you know they have a lot of bigs 
and they're not going to be able to keep them all around. We know they're not yeah. going to trade Dwight Powell. I mean, unless it's for a superstar because they love him so much. Which, so Max, which I disagree not, with, but, I mean, I, I definitely – I agree with your statement there. I disagree with the Mavs thinking there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's – you know, he just seems like he's never going to go anywhere, which, fine, whatever. Well, but, here's my thing. I – I've mentioned this to you, and I've mentioned this to uh, Kirk. He was our guest last week. He's been on here a few times too. But I, I love Maxi Kleba. He is a tireless defender. He's a great shot blocker. Uh, he shot, I think, thirty-seven percent, which was a career high from three this past season. But I think we're at the point now where. Mavs fans overall, and I'm not I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying I think we're at the point where we're almost overrating Maxi a little bit because as good as he is, as much as I love Maxi and I think he's on a great contract and everything, you can't discount the effect that Luca has on all of these other guys, on all these other role players. Because I mean, yeah, Maxi's good, but I mean. If you take Luca out of the equation, I mean, it's just – I'm trying to be what, nice about it. <laughs> well, no, we've seen what Maxi is without Luca. We've already seen it. Yeah. Yeah, he's gotten better. Sure, he's improved. That's great. But maximize his value while you can. Now, let me say this, uh, and we'll, this will transition into our next NBA trade topic here, but I don't think I would let go of Maxi – in a DeRozan deal, but I would trade him to Orlando if it meant getting Aaron Gordon. And we saw on, (laughs) we saw on Twitter earlier this week, you know, people were talking about, there was a debate about Aaron Gordon versus Maxi Kleba. And (laughs) I was just like, we were both like, you know, how, how is this even a debate? You know? That's comical. You can't. Aaron Gordon is such. Is I, I I'm trying to not overstate it, but I mean Aaron Gordon is a better better player than Maxi. Nice. And the ceiling is higher. You know, I'm pretty sure he's like three years younger than Maxi. <laughs> and Maxi, he does more than Maxi. Yeah, I mean Aaron Gordon's not the shot blocker that Maxi is, but he's a better shooter. He's a better finisher. Uh, he's more athletic. I mean, if you put Aaron Gordon next to KP in this math starting lineup, I think you'd see a considerable difference, you know, going into next season. I think that puts them closer to title contention, even without making a move for, you know, Giannis or Beal or something bigger like that. So it really depends on what the Magic are thinking and how how expendable – they view Aaron Gordon right now because I mean he's only making 18 million dollars a year and he's got two years left on his deal so I don't know my my trade proposal here because we know the Mavericks have had previous interest in uh in Aaron Gordon you know Zach Lowe right after the Mavs traded for Porzingis wrote a piece and was talking about how the Mavs investigated a trade for Aaron Gordon before all that happened so now I'm thinking if if the Magic are going to end up trading him, would they be interested 
in DeLon Wright, Maxi, two players that have multiple years left on their deals and it's not like outrageous contracts, and both of the picks, so the first and the second round pick, would you do that? Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think Aaron Gordon could unlock a lot of stuff in this offense that it's missing. I do too. I believe in the guy. I mean, he's shown flashes in Orlando, but like, he's never played. It's like the same concept as when the Mavs traded for KP and uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. came over and everybody was like, oh, he's he's a chucker and, you know, he's going <laughs> to – everybody was like, oh, I can't wait for him to shoot 32% while shooting eight, nine threes a game. And I, I said from the beginning, I was like, look at the point guards that Tim Hardaway Jr. has played with over the course of, it, over the course of his career. Like – the best one he played with was probably Jeff Teague in Atlanta. <laughs> so you knew coming over, if you just thought about it, that he was going to end up having a great year with Luca when he got to play a full season. And he did. I mean, his, his career high for three point shooting was 36% before this last season. And he shot 40% his first full season with Luca. So I think it's the same thing with Aaron Gordon. You know, he's shown flashes. He hasn't really, you know, fully lived up to his potential. Uh, but I think that could be unlocked if the Mavs could end up making a trade for him. So Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's, I think it's a great fit. And look, it, Tim Hardaway Jr., it took him a year to – and he had some, you know, I think it was his foot, wasn't it, or his shin or, or something like that. It yeah, it was, it was something in his leg. It was his shin, I believe. Okay, whatever it was. It took him a year to, to get used to it. But I think there's no reason to believe Aaron Gordon couldn't exceed what Tim Hardaway Jr. did in terms of – he's. I mean, he's just got more talent. So if you put him next to a guy like Luka, I mean, I'm not going to say the sky is the limit, but he's very, very talented, and he just needs help. Right. He needs to have that. You go from – Aaron Gordon is the best player on the Magic right now, arguably. And if you take him and make him your third best player – you know, that, that that opens up so much more for him. That was the biggest thing with Hardaway Jr. You know, he he didn't have the spacing in New York that he did, you know, this past season with the Mavs. You knew playing with Luka and KP and, you know, you had uh, – it helped that Dorian Finney-Smith uh, and Maxie and some of these other guys were shooting the ball so well too. But you just knew playing with a duo like Luka and KP that Hardaway was going to have – more open threes than he had ever had in his career. And that makes a difference. You know, you shoot, it's like, (laughs) it's like open gym, you know, Uh, you get that many wide open shots, you know, chances are you're going to hit a lot more of them. And that's what happened. And I think it would open up so much more uh, for Aaron Gordon to be in this system. I think he would be, you know, what, what Dwight Powell is and how good Powell was in this system Aaron Gordon would be like a super version of Powell, except he can shoot better. So, absolutely. Look, like I said, I love Maxi. I think he's, you know, he's steadily improved every single year. But, you know, at this point, I just, I, I don't know, Matt. I just, I feel like we're overvaluing him a little bit because there has to be, if you have a chance to trade a guy like Maxi, who was signed as an undrafted free agent. Uh, or just a free agent, really. And uh, you're able to flip him and a 
a late first round pick and a second round pick for a guy like Aaron Gordon, I mean, you have to do it. I mean, there, there's no question there in my opinion. So anyway, that's where we're at. We'll see, you know, if any of these trade topics, you know, if there's anything that leaks out and connects the Mavs more to it than just us just talking about it. I think there's probably a chance for the Aaron Gordon stuff to come up more so than the DeRozan stuff, but that's the two we decided to talk about this week. And I don't know. I mean, I could definitely see something happening with Aaron Gordon uh, around draft night. So I guess we'll see. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back on the other side for our mailbag 4.0. A Cowboys Super Bowl, a Rangers pennant, a Stars Stanley Cup, a Mavs championship, or more recently, a Luka Doncic playoff buzzer beater. How many fans have a t-shirt that captures these amazing Dallas sports moments, but refuse to wear it regularly due to having an overworked design and fabric that feels more like sandpaper? Red Peg Tees focuses on clever artwork and only prints on polycotton blends to give you that vintage t-shirt feel right out of the package. They are the number one sports t-shirt company representing our Dallas teams. So if you want an awesome t-shirt you'll actually wear often, visit redpegtees.com and use promo code REDPEG20 to get 20% off your purchase. Again, that's promo code REDPEG20 to get 20% off your purchase. Red Peg Tees, providing t-shirts for Texans by Texans. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, we're going to jump right into our Mavs off-season mailbag. It's our fourth edition of it. Uh, we've really enjoyed doing these with you guys all off-season long, and we'll probably squeeze a couple more in here before we get to the draft on uh, November 18th, and then I'm sure free agency will be about a week after that. But Okay, so here's the first one, and it's from Grant. It says, other than the Mavs, what are some other top trade packages around the league that you think could prevent us from nabbing that max value star player? And he puts star in parentheses. So here, here's what I think he's saying here. So like say we, we've been talking about Bradley Beal, for instance, and we put together trade packages and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we've always said that there's other teams out there who could offer more for Beal <laughs> than what the Mavs could. And so, like, when it comes to Bradley Beal, just for an example, I think if they were going to make an offer, who's to say the Pelicans couldn't turn around with all those picks they acquired from the Lakers and maybe attach Drew Holiday to, who has a couple years left or one year left plus an opt-in on his deal. Who's to say that they couldn't jump in there and severely outbid the Mavs <laughs> with a better trade package? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's a team you got to look out for, obviously. Um, I, look, I don't have a specific one in mind. What I do know is that compared to the rest of the league, the Mavs' tradable assets are on the lower side. They're in the bottom half. Yeah, in my opinion. So if if you're if you're gonna make a tr- a, a play for a star, kind of like they did with Porzingis, you kind of just have to swoop in there, get the deal done before a lot of other teams have a chance to bid, and then and then hope that it's over. Right. And look, we we had Donnie Nelson on here. Uh, 
last year around this time. And, uh, you know, we were talking about, well, it was around mid-November. But anyway, we were talking about him, about talking to him about how these trades come about and everything. And he, he called it a fireman's existence. He said, you know, you never know when the, the bell's going to ring and you just have to take action while you can. And, I mean, look, if you go back and look at that uh, the KP trade, I mean, I think that there were a handful of teams that could have given the Knicks a better package for Porzingis. But for whatever reasons, <laughs> you know, the Mavs came out on top. And that's kind of what you have to hope for if the Mavs end up trading for a star this time around. Because, you know, you got the Pelicans. They've got a ton of picks. They've got young players. Uh, they've got Drew Holiday, who should be, you know, a very enticing trade piece. Uh, you've got Oklahoma City. They've got a ton of picks that they acquired from the, the Clippers. They've also got young players like uh, Shea Gillius-Alexander. Uh, let's see, who else am I missing here? The point is, you, you just have to strike while the iron's hot. And that's, that's what, yeah. you know, if you're in the position that the Mavericks are in, where they don't have a lot of assets compared to teams like New Orleans or Oklahoma City or whatever, then you get, there's a lot of luck that goes into it. And you just have to kind of shut your eyes and press send and hope for the best. <laughs> and, you know, Donnie, he – I never want to doubt Donnie, especially when it comes to trades. You know, everybody knows how we feel about the Mavs and drafting and there's a lot of unease there and everything, but – when it comes to trades, you know, Donnie has my my full confidence there. So, if the Mavs end up trading, I, I'm going to just assume that it's going to be a really good one for, for the Mavs going into next season. But they, anyway. they've, they've, they've hit on a lot more trades than they've missed. Right. Sure, the, the trades they've missed are a little bit more publicized. Um, like like even, like even Luka, yeah, yeah, technically Luka was drafted. But, I mean, they didn't. <laughs> they had to trade to get Luca, so even that was a trade. Yeah, dirt too. Yeah, so they have more success in that realm for whatever reason. And anyway, moving on. This is from Chris. Uh, Chris, he's I think he sent one on nearly every one of these mailbags so far. But anyway, Chris says, "Is Oladipo worth risking, knowing that even if he chooses to come back, it's still." gives us flexibility for Giannis in 2021. Uh, so, okay, so basically what he's saying is, is it worth trading for Oladipo since he's on an expiring deal? And, I mean, it, it obviously depends on what you're giving up. I personally am out on Oladipo now, even though, you know, I, I think there's a chance he could get back to some level of what he used to be before his – his leg injury, I think it was a quad. And those things are rough. You know, it's it's rough to to come back from a torn quad. Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't know, man. He, he's already an undersized shooting guard. And then he's coming off an injury. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm just – I'm tired of talking about Mavs prospects and saying, you know, well – if they can recover in a certain way or, you know, injuries permitting <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. I, I'm just, I'm just out on Oladipo because I don't want to have another player that I'm worried about. He's going to get injured during the season. 
And then, like you said, he's on an expiring contract, and it's already been reported that he's seeking a max deal uh, next offseason. I mean, I'm, I'm just – I'm out on Oladipo. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to, to look at it like, okay, is this the best we can do considering our lack of assets? Yeah. And I don't think it is. Now, if they got him, fine, as long as it doesn't interfere with next summer, see what happens, sure. But I don't want to do that again either. I don't want the whole, you know, Wes Matthews thing, the whole – I mean, KP, I think you you won that battle so far, even yeah. though, you know, he had that season-ending knee surgery. But you can't keep taking that risk and expect it to pay off. Eventually, yeah. it's going to bite you in the ass. And look, the thing that people say the most when when I bring up this is, well, you need to trust the Mavs training staff. And look, I do. You know that I've said it over right. and over again that their training staff is world class. They are probably but, the best training staff in the league. But I mean, you, you don't, don't want to keep overloading them. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to keep having to use that as like a thing in your back pocket. Like, ooh, we can do something that no other team in the NBA can do. <laughs> With our train, it's no like you, you want to. If you want to compete for a championship, you want to get players who you don't to surround around Luca and KP that you don't have to constantly be worrying about stuff like that. Right, and look, I hate to keep beating this one into the ground, but like even Buddy Healed, I know he's there's questions about his attitude and uh, you know his defensive abilities and everything, but I mean. I would take I would take Buddy Heald over Oladipo in a heartbeat, and just yeah. <laughs> and just hope that you know playing with Luca and KP and Rick Carlisle and being in a, a winning environment, you know, kind of helps him try a little bit more on the defensive end. And we already know what he brings to the to the offensive end, so that's more what I would be looking at than Oladipo. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to relive Wes Matthews. You don't want to relive Chandler Parsons. You know, just trade for a guy whose legs work. Like yes. <laughs> Not asking for much. Just trade for a guy that's good and, you know, doesn't have injury concerns. But anyway. All right, moving on to the next one. This one was from Tyler, and it says, if the Mavs don't make the finals next season, is it a disappointment? No. I agree. It's not. I think you – This is why I think that. Let me, let me just finish this and you can, you can carry on. Go ahead. On. It's not a disappointment not to make the finals if you haven't won a playoff series in like half a decade. I agree. <laughs> you know, more than – almost an entire decade, I guess. So – It's been a long time. Like, you, you literally – like, they took, the, they took the Clippers to six, and that was a feat. And the next step – is winning a playoff series. And then the next step after that is either the conference finals or the finals. But you have to get over the yeah. first hump. You can't go from being a team that hasn't won a playoff series in, in almost a decade and hasn't done anything but put two very young players together. Like, you don't have the foundation or the, or the, um, the continuity to, to put something like that together just after one year. I mean, sure, could it happen? Sure, I guess. But yeah, I would in no way be disappointed if they went to the conference semifinals and played the Lakers and lost. Like, that would not be a disappointment to me at all. 
Yeah. And look, I mean, expectations can change over the course of a season. You know, if we get to, you know, if we get to halfway through next season and the Mavs have lost like five games (laughs) or something like that, then it's like, okay, well, you know, it might be disappointing if they don't at least make it to the the conference finals. Look, look, no, no, not for me. No, I I swear. Dude, if they win, if they win 63 games next year, and they lose in the second round to last year's NBA champion, you think I'm going to be upset? No. Well, no, that, that is one thing I've thought about. Even if, the Mavs, even if the Mavs are a top five team in the league next year and you have a Golden State Warriors team that's coming off a dynasty and they're, they're coming off of injuries, because I don't think they're going to be too high in the West standings. But if you get in a situation where the Mavs get the fourth seed and the Warriors get the fifth seed, uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that right there could be a first round loss. Oh, that would be that would be bad. <laughs> when you when you play in a conference that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis on one team, barring a trade, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on another team, um, the you know, the Warriors. And then the depth in the West isn't what it used to be, but it's still it's still a very tough conference. I just like, I just a have a you have to get past. I just have a thing like in the back of my mind. There's just something about playing the Warriors in a first round playoff series. I don't know why I'm just so freaked out about that. There, it's not like anything in the in the past happened that would make me feel that way. But you know, <laughs> look. It, the only way the Mavs could disappoint me next season is, one, they don't make the playoffs, which, LOL, they will. Getting swept. Or getting swept. Even if they play the Warriors in the first round and lose in seven, I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm just not. Because that's Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, in like one of the best dynasties of all time who just happened to have a year off last year because they all got hurt. Very unfortunate finals for them. Like they're all going to be fresh. Yeah. Here's the thing. I would be disappointed if they didn't at least make it to the second round. But that being said, I mean, I, I understand the situation, you know, if they, if they didn't make it to the second round, I get it, you know, I understand, but I'm still, I'm still going to be a little bit disappointed, especially if they end up, you know, getting one of the top seeds in the West. So, I mean, that's just a natural reaction. But I don't think you could classify the season as a failure. As a failure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, so we're going to move on from that one. Uh, This one is from, you know, I always get, it says Dallas Fanatic, but this isn't the, (laughs) we were talking about this last time. We were like, is this the actual Dallas Fanatic account? But it's not. It says at uh, Ben E5. So anyway. He says, what are your moves to go all in this year and be prepared to do the same uh, with Giannis next year? Uh, Well, you know, like we talked about in the first half of this, I mean, I think an all-in move would be doing something like going for Aaron Gordon. Um, I think he's probably uh, one of the – more talented players who you could potentially get realistically uh, by packaging your picks with a couple other players. Because, I, you know, as much as we've talked about Bradley Beal uh, and even, say, like Zach Levine, 
I just don't know if that kind of package is something that could, you know, persuade those teams to trade those players. So that would be my thing. I would trade, try to trade for Aaron Gordon without giving up Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, you give up a couple guys, like I mentioned earlier, uh, DeLon Wright and Maxi Kleba, and, you know, both picks. And if Orlando accepts that, you add a guy like Aaron Gordon and – you know, you have a guy that will be on an expiring deal going into the next offseason. So, if you needed to offload him to sign Giannis, you could do so. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the fact remains that you, it wouldn't hurt your cap situation either. Even though I'm not worried about that anyway, it would, you know, it would essentially be the same as long as you're not trading Tim Hardaway Jr. in that, in that deal. So, yeah. that's kind of what I'm thinking. I think the other way you could look at that is, I mean, I, I like your idea a lot um, and I don't disagree with it even a little bit, but I think another avenue you could possibly take would be um, kind of like we talked about on last week's episode with Kirk and that's picking the bones of the Rockets, maybe getting PJ Tucker or Robert Covington or both or Eric Gordon or just another good player or two that solidifies your depth and your bench and your wings and all of those things that you need. I think that you could classify that as going all in because you're filling all your holes. Yeah. I mean, look, we've talked about a lot of, you know, higher profile name players, but if the Mavs come out of this off season, just signing a couple of, you know, gritty veterans who are there, they have playoff experience and, uh, they can shoot the ball and play some defense and everything. I mean, that, that's a win for the Mavs because they were already good last season before the, the season was suspended and they were kind of getting on a roll. And, you know, then everything got thrown off track and they had injury issues and all that. So they don't have to just swing for the fences this off season. Although I wouldn't be opposed if they did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, you got to do – the NBA is constantly changing, um, especially now that the, you know, the West is balanced out and it's not just Golden State versus everybody else. Yeah. You have to be on your toes and you have to be ready to pounce whenever you can. And if that's doing it either way that we just discussed, you do it. Yeah. And just that, that takes us to our next question here. This is from... The name says currently missing Dwight Powell. So <laughs> I'm, I, I'm sorry to hear that. But anyway, uh, this account asks, if the roster stays the same next year, so I guess he's saying exactly the same, uh, what is the win goal? 50, 55 wins? Uh, okay, so here's my take. The Mavs were 40 and 27 when the season was suspended. And that was with Luca. He had missed 13 games to an ankle in uh, two separate ankle injuries, and Porzingis had missed 16 games just in that 67 game stretch before the season was suspended. So, with that being said, they were 40 and 27, 13 games over 500. If they stay healthy and they don't change anything or make minor changes going into next season. 
I think the win goal is 50 plus. And I mean, I think that's, I think that's pretty reasonable uh, given what they've, what they've shown us, showed us this past year. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, God, it's like all these reviews say we don't agree on anything. I feel like we've agreed on basically. <laughs> um, no, I mean, that, that's what I was thinking before we got started too, was, was 50. I mean, it, look, it, you won, what was, what was the final this year? 43, is that right? Uh, yeah, I think it was 43. 43? The bubble was not kind to the Mavs in the, the play-in games. <laughs> well, yeah, but you go from – The pre-playoff games. You go from the 30s to 43. The next step is 50. And if Luke and KP are going to take the next step, 50 wins is what you're shooting for. Especially with how – because, I mean, look, as as bad as the Mavs played in those eight – uh, pre-playoff, the, the seeding games is what they called them. As bad as the Mavs did overall, they went three and five. You can't put that on Luka and KP. I mean, they were they were straight up balling. You know, they there's a reason that both – they were the only team to have two players on the all-bubble first team <laughs> when it was said and done, which, uh, which tells you how bad, you know, the other guys were during that stretch. But – uh, you know, if they play at that level, uh, especially since, especially when you consider for the first half of last season, KP was just getting his footing. He hadn't played for almost two years, and he was just getting his footing. And then from the end of February uh, through the or the end of January through the end of the season, he was playing at an All NBA level. You know, he was averaging twenty seven points, eleven rebounds, and nearly three blocks a game. <laughs> and getting pretty close to 50, 40, 90 shooting splits. So, I mean, he was just uh, – whatever clicked, it clicked at the end of January, and he kept it going through the end of the season until it was suspended, and he carried carried it to a next level in the bubble. So, if he can start off next season like that and Luka, you know, continues to grow, I think it's a no-brainer that the Mavs are going to end up winning 50-plus uh, games. So. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that's that's them the potential we thought they would have last season in taking the next step. All right, this next one is from Sean. Sean says, "Do you see the Mavericks go for? Do you see the Mavericks going for Bradley Beal and John Wall as their plan B if they don't get Giannis in 2021?" Okay. Why do we no, have John Wall in this? Well, I. I I think it since Bradley Beal is still under contract for a couple more years, I think what he's saying is like, would you have to take John Wall to get Bradley Beal? And here's the thing. I think we've briefly touched on this on a previous episode, but it's almost, I mean, you could make it work, but <laughs> with that wall contract, it's almost, almost financially impossible to trade both John Wall and Bradley Beal to the Mavs if you're not going to trade KP, especially if it's next offseason. I mean, I, I have to look at the cap sheet, and, I mean, I know there's some ways that you could make it work, but I don't think you'd want to do that, especially when Bradley Beal is going to be a, uh, an unrestricted free agent in 2022. So I, I don't think it's worth taking on John Wall uh, to get Bradley Beal, just in my opinion. 
Uh, I don't want anything to do with John Wall. Yeah, I mean, it, that's that's kind of one of those things where, you know, like we talked about earlier, you <laughs> you kind of want to get away from worrying about these other guys with injuries, and especially when they're making $40 million plus per season. So, uh, So, anyway, moving on to the next one here. This one's from Mr. 314. It says, on the most recent podcast, it was stated that the Mavs had a horrible showing in free agency last offseason. They swung and missed on Kimba, made offers to get Danny Green and Marcus Morris. What exactly did the Mavs not explore during the offseason last year? Okay, so let me go first on this one. This is This is my thing. So, you had guys like uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, you had Patrick Beverly, who shares an agent with Luca. In hindsight, you know, it's probably best that they didn't go that route. Uh, you had Malcolm Brogdon, who was up for grabs, apparently. Uh, you had, let's see, this isn't free agency, but it happened around free agency. Uh, T.J. Warren, the Suns gave the Pacers a pick and traded T.J. Warren. So the Pacers got <laughs> the Pacers got a very very good player who was he was averaging like nearly thirty points a game in the bubble and a pick for nothing. Like they that the Pacers got that for nothing and. You know, the Mavs, when free agency opened last year, it was reported that, you know, they were having Donnie and – I don't know if Cuban was there, but I know Donnie and uh, KP were having dinner. And you're thinking, like, okay, I get it. You know, he, <laughs> they signed a max, signed him to a max contract, and uh, you want to wine and dine your, your star that you just signed and everything. But they could have done that, like, a few nights later, you know. <laughs> It just, it just kind of gave the appearance that like while they were doing that, all these other teams were, were out there swooping up all these uh, other guys who could have really helped the Mavs this year because the depth just it just wasn't there, especially in the wing department. It almost makes you think like, and I don't. If this is the case, I'm not happy about it. So don't make it make it seem like I'm trying to make an excuse for them or that I thought it was a good idea because I don't. But it's almost like they were looking forward too far and were like, we don't want to do anything that's going to jeopardize a future off season because we're chasing a certain guy who's going to be available. So we don't want to sign X, Y, or Z to a long-term deal. Right. Do I like that? Hell no. But it almost seems that way because they just sat on their hand. It felt like they just sat on their hands and let all of these players that could have helped them just go. Yeah, and look, early last season, and we I, I mentioned Donnie Nelson coming on uh, about mid-November last year, towards the end of November, and, you know, Luca had already started his – he started out on fire last year, and it was apparent that he was going to, you know, take that next step to what eventually led to a first-team All-NBA selection. But we asked Donnie straight up, like, y'all knew that Luca was good. Did y'all think he was this good? And he was just like, no. <laughs> he, he, he said, you know, we were not expecting to be this good this soon. 
And I think if they could have – I think with hindsight being 2020, I think if you go back to last offseason and, you know, they know what's coming with Luka this year, you know, just how good he's going to be, I think they're probably more aggressive. Because yeah, that's true. But – and I'll let you continue a second. I'm sorry to interrupt. But I think that's, that's a good way to look at it for sure. But the coverage just not the same as it was last offseason, and that's what makes it so disappointing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that you don't have many. There's not that many difference makers. There's definitely guys that, like, say Jay Crowder, for example. He's not, he's not a top tier guy, but he's a guy that if the Mavs, you know, were to sign him, I'd be, I mean, ecstatic with it. <laughs> but there's not that many of those type guys on the market this offseason. So. It makes you think if they're going to do something, it needs to uh, – it's going to have to be a trade. And that's another thing, too. You know, last offseason they had a max slot. Uh, there was a lot of wiggle room there. Even if they didn't sign a max player like Kimba, you know, they could have spread that out and gotten a couple of, you know, difference makers if they had attempted to do it early on uh, instead of waiting it out for Danny Green. In hindsight, I mean, at the time I was I was excited. I wanted Danny Green – uh, but after about the second day of waiting, you got the idea that, like, okay, this is not going to turn out well for them. <laughs> and it, it it reeked of desperation, too, because, I mean, you just can't – you can't latch yourself onto a guy like Danny Green, who, I mean, he's a good role player, but you just can't wait that long for a guy like that. You know, if he's not going to agree to sign with you and take your money, you know, within the first day, especially now, like if if somebody – if the Mavs went and offered Jay Crowder like the full MLE, you know, $9 million a year for the next three years, and he's like, oh, well, I don't know. I'm going to wait and see if uh, Team X here offers – you know, no. You know, move on to the next option. Don't wait around because there's no guarantee that – you know, he's going to pick your team, and then the rest of the market is going to be dried up. So right. I think they need to be more proactive. They need to know exactly what they want going into this offseason, and they don't need to wait around for anybody because waiting around last offseason, it, it got them in a bind. And it ended up, you know, with us having a lot of hope for a guy like DeLon Wright who didn't pan out. <laughs> yep, exactly. So – Next one is from Adrian. It says, do you see the Mavs going after Jeremy Grant? This is a quick answer for me. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if, they don't, if they don't, then they're not doing their job. Now, look, that said, I don't think that – I think he's going to stay with Denver. You know, it's already been reported there's mutual interest there with uh, both sides. And, I mean, Denver, they just went to the, uh, the Western Conference Finals. So, I mean, you know that they're going to want to – keep that core together and I, I I just don't see him leaving Denver but hey you never know I mean depending on what they're willing to pay him and you know maybe the Mavs can swoop in there and that would be great because I have I have kind of pegged Jeremy Grant as a modern day Josh Howard if the Mavs were to sign him I think that would be awesome to pair with Luka and KP so right you, you can't not chase after him until he either gives his verbal agreement and doesn't stops taking calls or signs on the dotted line. Right. Period. All right, Matt, this is our last question. Uh, it's from Amar. He says, 
if we want Giannis in 2021, uh, basically it'd make more sense to use our draft picks instead of trading for another star this offseason. So who would you draft with the 18th and 31st picks? And he says, keep up the great content, guys. We really appreciate that, Amar. Uh, appreciate you contributing to our mailbag here. But you want to go first on this one or you want me to go? Because I already have a couple guys in mind. I, I've been very public about how little about the draft <laughs> this year. But if you're going to use the picks, either give me a – big athletic wing that can play defense or shoot threes or a guard who can handle the ball and distribute and shoot preferably the former, but someone who can come in and actually contribute and not a Roby or a Sotnam Singh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the thing where I'm at now, because I was a couple months ago, I was like, I was all in on Josh green from Arizona. Because at this point, I'm like, if the Mavs draft anything, any any player other than a wing, I'm going to be disappointed. Like, we, <laughs> we, we don't need any more small point guards. Uh, but with the 18th pick, I've settled on Desmond Bain from TCU. And our guy, Richard Stamen, he's at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a wizard with all this – Mavs draft stuff and he puts a lot of uh in-depth video breakdown of these players and everything and he did a great mock draft about a month ago for us but he he told me a while back that Desmond Bain could be the best shooter in this draft and he's he's six six uh he's good at creating his own shot he's great at coming off of screens I mean, just watching film of him, I think he'd be an excellent pick for the Mavs. And, you know, he started out as being like an early second-round pick to a late first round, but his stock has steadily, you know, risen a little bit. And now he's going to be right there in that range where the Mavs are picking. So I'm thinking you take Desmond Bain at number 18, and then with the 31st pick – um, another guy that uh, Richard wrote about here recently, and uh, we actually know the Mavs have had an interview with him, is Emmanuel Quickly from uh, Kentucky. And he's a little bit of an undersized shooting guard. He's 6'3", but, you know, 6'3", is not <laughs> not 5'10". Carlisle's uh, <laughs> yeah. So, basically, he is a 6'3 shooting guard and he actually won SEC Player of the Year while playing out of position. So, I mean, like, they played him at small forward. Uh, so, I mean, basketball, man. what's that? You got to love college basketball. Right. <laughs> playing all these dudes out of position and not teaching them how to play in the NBA is just amazing. <laughs> but, you know, just, just looking at the intangibles there and the potential upside – and, you know, I've been looking at these mock drafts, and unless, his, unless he just does some workouts and his uh, stock rises immensely over the next month, I think the Mavs would have a chance to pick him up at that 31st pick. That's what I'm looking at. I, I would be happy with a Bain and uh, quickly pairing for the Mavs. And then you have a couple of players who could, you know, more than likely help you from the jump next season. Plus, they're on cheap rookie deals 
for the next three to four years and uh, it gives you more wiggle room, you know, if you need to make a trade later on uh, to help create some space uh, if Giannis wants to come play in Dallas. So, anyway. All right. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Math Step Back Podcast. Another great mailbag. Uh, Like I said earlier, every one of these have been fantastic. We've had a ton of fun discussing these and I think it you know it keeps all of you guys involved and uh, it's a lot of fun for us so we really appreciate that but Matt you have anything to add before we take off here uh not really I'm just uh you know I'm looking forward to getting into the off season and getting all these questions that we keep getting answered because I have just as many as you guys have um it's going to be a really interesting off season so and really interesting next couple of seasons with, you know, Giannis coming up in 2021. And, hey, I said it right this time. And, uh, <laughs> and all that. So, um, we need to keep doing these mailbags for sure. Yeah. And, look, we, there's a lot. We're less than a month away from the draft. And then, like I said, free agency will more than likely be about a week or so after the draft. And, you know, once the, once the NBA and the Players Association get all these CBA uh, tweaks ironed out, uh, the deadline for that is October 30th, I believe. So that's coming up in a week. And once they get all that stuff ironed out, then we'll know more about, you know, player opt-in and opt-out dates. And uh, we should know more about whether Giannis is going to uh, – accept his extension from the Bucks or decline it. And if he declines it, then it's going to be the fire Elmo meme for the next, you know, eight to 10 months. <laughs> so, uh, but we really appreciate it guys. Last week was a ton of fun. Uh, if you're new listening to us, welcome. Hope you keep coming back every week uh, to everybody listening on Apple podcasts. Definitely be sure and go, uh, give us a good rating on there. It really helps us out. Leave us a review, too, if you feel so inclined to do so. Um, but, yeah, that's it, guys. We appreciate you coming in and listening every week, and we will see you next week. Y'all have a good weekend. Take a step back, reminiscing about the old days When I hooped outside with my friends and drunk that OJ Crossover doing step backs in a pair of J's These days I'm about my chips like a bag of lace. I ain't lying when I tell you people ain't the same. How you real when you say your soul for the fame? Do anything for a dollar. I'ma stay patient cause I know God promised me a lot of. Looked up the Dirk and MJ instead of blue collar. Excited at the idea of being a true baller. Riding in the bands of copper and pilot. Feeling like I made it, now they trying to holler. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.